Welcome on into Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us for a Wednesday hump day edition of the podcast. A lot to cover in today's edition of the podcast. BYU will hold their first fall camp practice this afternoon and we'll be out at that covering it. We'll also need to talk about a developing situation with BYU basketball. It's an exclusive here to Locked On Cougars. We'll break down what's going on in a potentially messy situation for Mark Pope and his staff here in this first segment. In the second and third segments today, we continue on with our 12-12 and 12 in reverse of our opponent previews as we talk with Christian Capel from The Athletic. He covers the Washington Huskies up there in Seattle. Had some great thoughts on what the Huskies are going to do to rebuild this year and also their series against BYU as they travel to Provo for their first road game of the season, actually, coming up in week four. So we'll talk about the Huskies with him in the second and third segments. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Manscaped as well as the Locked On NFL Show right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll tell you about both of those a little bit later on in the podcast. And with that, let's get going. This is the Locked On Cougars Podcast for July 31st, 2019. Hi guys, I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking the time to download the show on a Wednesday. BYU football, officially beginning fall camp with practices this afternoon. We will be out there at football practice. Please follow us on social media. Follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Locked On Cougars. I'll do some instant reaction after post-practice interviews are completed on Instagram, in particular on the Locked On Cougars feed. So please follow along, get you some instant reaction, and we'll make sure to have player interviews, etc. for you, coaches' interviews, and the like, all on the coming days and weeks of this podcast. But let us know who you'd like to hear from we'd love to get the players and coaches you most want to hear from on this podcast as we have that unique ability to do that all right uh with that said let's talk some BYU basketball right up front here uh developing situation with BYU basketball. The good news is, is they hosted Wasatch Academy big man Matty Sissoko on an official visit this past weekend. Sissoko is a four-star prospect according to 24-7 Sports. He's the 42nd ranked player nationally in the 2020 recruiting class. He's the ninth ranked center and he's the top prospect in the state of Utah. This is a guy who has all kinds of attention from all over the country. UCLA, Arizona, Arkansas, Auburn, Baylor. There are lots of of big-time programs chasing this guy, but BYU had him on campus for an official visit this past weekend. That is a positive development if you're BYU fans looking at what Mark Pope can do in recruiting. But... There is an exclusive uh, detail that uh, is a developing situation with BYU basketball that we need to discuss. During his trip, and this comes via multiple sources that I have talked to over the previous 24 hours, Matty Sissoko suffered an injury during his official visit to BYU, which will force him at the very minimum, to miss a big chunk, if not all, of the upcoming season for Wasatch Academy. This happened during an official visit, so of course the rules with the NCAA are involved and where it happened, when it happened, that will all come into play here. But as one source told me, this could be, quote, really messy, unquote, for BYU basketball and Mark Pope's staff. I don't know per se right now where the liability lies in regards to what BYU will be required to do, what they're required to report this, what they'll be required to do to help Sissoko recover from this injury, but it's not a good look for BYU to have an official 
initial visit, ha- have a guy who is a top prospect, a top 50 nationally ranked prospect, we're talking one of the elite prospects in the upcoming recruiting class, come to your campus and walk away or leave campus with a potentially season-ending injury for his final season in the high school or the prep ranks. It's not a good look for BYU. I don't know, like I said, what's going to come of this. It's, of course, still a developing situation, but it is an exclusive here to Locked on Cougars. We'll be sure to get back with you with any other details details that come out about this as they come along. But one thing is for certain, it's not a good look for Mark Pope to have an official visit happen and have a guy leave your campus with a potentially season-ending injury for his final season. Like I said, uh, Matty Sissoko is a guy that Mark Pope flew 27 hours each way to go visit his parents for an hour and a half in the West African country of Mali. He's done everything right to recruit this kid in the hopes that he could land him. He's a big man, a six foot nine, six foot ten, 230 pound prospect. Looks every bit the part of a high level prospect who could come in and have an instant impact for BYU. How this injury and the the incident that it took place under will affect BYU and their ability maybe to sign Matty Sissoko or even how it might affect the relationship going forward with Wasatch Academy, that's still to be determined. But like I said, one source, as one source told me, it is, quote, really messy, unquote, for BYU to have something like this happen on an official visit. We'll see how it all shakes out. We'll see if anything comes of it from the NCAA, if there's any legal ramifications of this, because there's liability concerns on all sides with this. Is BYU liable to have to cover his recovery? All the different moving parts that go into this situation. But like I said, it's not a good look for BYU to have a top-level prospect come to your campus, go on an official visit, a guy who's supposed to be on campus, learning more about your program. You're trying to sell him on your vision for the future of the program, and then he walks away injured with an injury that, like I said, multiple sources have indicated he is likely to miss at least a big chunk of the upcoming prep season, if not all of it, with this injury. It's not a good look for Mark Pope, and here's hoping that they can uh, steer away from having anything like this happen in the future because it's just not a good look. You don't want to have prospects thinking, well, if I go to BYU and I get injured on an official visit and have to miss the season, why would I want to go visit that school? It's not a good way to kind of start off your tenure in terms of recruiting top-level prospects to have a top-level guy come in and get injured on an official visit. And of course, As I said previously, this is a developing situation. We'll make sure to report back with anything that comes out about this situation involving Matty Sissoko and the BYU basketball program. But it is an exclusive here to Locked on Cougars, so stay tuned for more details as they come along. I know that's a little bit of a downer to start the the podcast off on, but I wanted to get that information to you guys. Coming up next, though, we're going to catch up with Christian Capel from The Athletic. He is the Washington Huskies beat reporter for The Athletic, covering Washington. Washington Athletics, and particularly Washington football. BYU hosts the Huskies in week four of the season. It'll actually be Washington's first road game of the season after three home games to kick off their season up there in Seattle. We'll get his thoughts on what Chris Peterson's looking to do with his program, as well as what he makes of the BYU-Washington rivalry. He, He has some good thoughts on all things Washington Huskies and the BYU Cougars, so that'll be coming up next. Before we go, just a reminder that support of Locked on Cougars comes from Man 
Manscaped, who is the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off at manscaped.com with the promo code LOCKEDON. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. I'm Jay Catch, your host here, joined now by the Washington Huskies beat reporter for The Athletic, Christian Capel. Christian, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing all right. Uh, first things first, let's start with the quarterback position at Washington. Of course, they lose a Jake, and it appears there are two Jakes battling to take his spot. Is it as simple as one of those two Jakes gets the job, or is there another quarterback that can enter the fray during this fall camp period? Well, I think it's um, it's possible that Jacob Sermon and another Jake, as it were, um, <laughs> who's a redshirt freshman, uh, was a four-star recruit in the 2018 class. You know, he entered his name into the transfer portal for like a day and a half right after spring practice, and then pulled it back out and decided to stay at Washington. I wouldn't be surprised if if he got a few more reps, just because he really didn't get that many in the spring, and they almost lost him as a result of that. So. Maybe he's thrown into the mix a little bit, but you know, as far as, as figuring out who the starter is, I think it's pretty clearly a two-man race between Jacob Eason and, and Jake Hayner. And really, most people expect Jacob Eason to emerge from that as, as the starting quarterback. Um, you know, The spring didn't really give us a, a ton of separation for those of us watching in terms of trying to figure out who that guy was, was going to be based just off of those practices that we saw. I think Eason was maybe... Um, a little bit more careful with the ball, turned the ball over fewer times, threw fewer interceptions, um, and was maybe a little bit more willing to just sort of take what was given to him underneath, but um, still didn't create like a ton of explosive plays, didn't look totally comfortable within the offense, which is maybe to be expected for a guy who hasn't played a game at Washington and is still just kind of um, getting a grasp of, of what that playbook looks like, actually running the Huskies plays rather than, than running scout team, which is what he did all of last year. Um, and Jake Hayner, you know, for a guy who's a little bit undersized, does have a big arm and, and is um, not afraid to, to let it rip and, and take some chances and give receivers a shot to make catches, contested catches down the field. So I think each of those guys brings something to the table that coaches like. Uh, people around here would be very, very, very surprised if it's not Jacob Eason who's starting a quarterback come August 31st. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is kind of the public uh, support for the hometown guy and Jacob Eason returning from Georgia to be the guy? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, beyond him just being the hometown guy, he's a former five-star recruit who mm-hmm. everybody wanted. He's six foot six. He can throw the ball a mile. I think you see all those tools and you see a guy who, quite frankly, I mean, no matter what kind of statistical season he puts up this year or next year, if he decides to come back for a fifth year, um, he's going to be a guy who's going to have a shot at the NFL level just because of those tools, because of, of what he looks like and, and what he can do with his arm talent and, and the size he's got. And, um, you know, there was a reason he was rated as high as he was uh, when he was being recruited. And I think a lot of people are banking on those talents showing up once he's given a shot to do it at Washington. Of course, Chris Peterson also has to replace his four-year standout running back, Miles Gaskin. Um, is Sylvan Ahmed, is he the kind of the answer there, or is it going to be more of a running back by committee approach for them this season? 
Yeah, I think Savon Ahmed is clearly the number one guy, and he did a lot of really nice things the last two years as sort of a, a compliment to Gaskin. And um, he, he's someone who's so fast and he's so good in space that you know I don't know if if he's the type of back you, you turn and hand it to twenty times a game between the tackles, but. I think he's got to touch the ball about that many times, you know, whether it's, it's getting him out in space, giving it to him on some fly sweeps, on some reverse action, which they've been really successful at the past two years. Um, but then I think you will see him take the ball and, and be the lead back and, and uh, run between the tackles more than he has the last couple of years. If that's not something that they feel he's super well-suited to do and, and sort of take the same beating that Miles Gaskin took for the last four years and, and he was – very durable and able to withstand that. Um, you know, you do have Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant, who are a couple of fourth-year juniors who have played. And um, you know, Sean McGrew came through for them in a couple of really big spots last year. And um, you know, he's only five seven or five eight, but has really good vision. Sort of a, um, you know, he's shifty and, and can find running lanes and, and has really good speed himself. And then you know, Richard Newton, a redshirt freshman who had a really good spring. I think people are are curious to see what he can do when the pads are on and everything's full contact. And, um, you know, maybe he can add a, a little bit of a, a different element to that room with, with his strength and his running ability. And then a true freshman coming in and Cam Davis, who was a four-star recruit, um, who a bunch of other schools wanted as well. So I think there's talent there. Obviously, uh, you know, you don't really truly replace a guy like Miles Gaskin. I mean, he was their most consistent, reliable offensive player for four years running career-leading rusher, uh, career-leader in, in rushing touchdowns. So um, those are big shoes to fill, but certainly they have some talent there. And, yeah, Savon Ahmed is, is going to kind of be the first man up at that spot. BYU fans here along the Wasatch Front in Utah are very familiar with two names at wide receiver for Washington. Ty Jones, a Provo High School product, and then uh, Puka Nakua, who came out of Orem High School. Uh, Puka was very highly touted coming out of high school. He set all of the high school records here locally. Is he going to have an opportunity to team with Ty Jones in that rotation at wide receiver, or is he going to need a redshirt year in your mind? Yeah, I think uh, Puka Nakua is a guy a lot of Husky fans are very interested to, to see. Um, you know, the first five practices are open to the media this year. Um, and I, in fact, just today I wrote a story of picking one player at each position who I'm most interested to watch during those open sessions, and I picked Puka Nakua um, just because of what you just said. He was as productive as you can get at the high school level, uh, big-time playmaker. You watch his tape. I mean, he just you can throw the ball up, and he goes up and gets it. And they just don't have a lot of guys like that on the roster right now. So, you know, get to the college level, picking up the offense. Is he big enough? Is he strong enough? Well, that's, that's always going to be a concern for any true freshman coming in. And they return a ton of experience there. You know, even if their receivers didn't quite perform at maybe the level people were hoping last year, they do have everybody back, um, including their leading receiver, Aaron Fuller. As you mentioned, Ty Jones, who's got two years of playing experience under his belt and is another guy who I think they're expecting a big step from as a junior. Um, and every single wideout who caught a pass for them last year is back on the roster this season. So um, that's a, a lot of bodies to navigate, and, you know, you can only play five or six of those consistently. So, you know, can Puka Nakua come in and make a big enough impression in, in these first three or four weeks that he's going to prove he's one of those five or six that just has to be on the field? Um, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. I don't think it's a given, uh, but certainly I think it's possible. And, and if you're going, sort of going through the freshman class that they just signed and handicapping, okay, who's who's got the best shot to 
really give them something that they don't already have and make an impact in year one on the field. I'd have Puka Nakua right at the top of that list. Going more of a macro view with Chris Peterson and his recruiting style, have they kind of taken more of a national approach like some of these bigger programs around the country have taken when it comes to recruiting, or are they still focused on specific areas in terms of their recruiting? No, they're still very much within their footprint. Um, you know, really the only time you've seen them go outside of Washington, Oregon, California, Arizona is, and, and you know, if, if there's a prospect in Idaho, right, if there's a prospect in yeah. Wyoming mm-hmm. or Colorado, you, you see them go after them too. Um, uh, and Hawaii as well, which is traditionally sort of, you know, it's, it's six hours away by plane, but I still kind of count that as being in their footprint just because it's traditionally been such a, a nice pipeline for them. But Texas is really the only sort of national area that you've seen them really try to get into. And they've put out, I forget the exact number, but I think in each of their last three classes and even this current 2020 cycle, um, behind California, Texas is the state where they've offered the most scholarships. And they've really, they've only signed, I think, four prospects from Texas in Chris Peterson's time there. And they do have two committed in the 2020 class, a running back and, and a, a linebacker. Um, but it's, I'm interested to see sort of where that goes going forward. I think they feel like there are just so many good football players in Texas that, you know, not all of them can go to Texas or Texas A&M, and, and not all of them are, are going to be good enough to go to Georgia and Alabama or Clemson and you know, get the attention of the national powers that are, are still really good players who can definitely help a Pac-12 program. And, you know, I think that that's sort of the, the caliber of prospect they've targeted. And maybe long term, you know, that they hope to get more than just one or two a class out of, out of Texas. But um, for right now, Chris Peterson says, you know, if, if that number's one to three per year, they're okay with that. Um, so, but, you know, for the most part, they need to recruit California, particularly Southern California, really, really, really well. They need to recruit Hawaii well. And obviously they need to keep all that talent that they've got in their own backyard in the 2020 and, and 2021 classes home um, because between these two years, this year and next, um, there's going to be more high-profile prospects with offers from, from all the big-time programs in state than, than maybe um, there ever has been in two consecutive classes. So uh, it starts. Uh, I think it always is going to start in California. Washington, obviously, their own in-state prospects are right up there, and then They'll recruit all around their their sort of Pac-12 footprint. But outside of Texas, no, they they really haven't made much effort to go national at all. Talking with Christian Capel, he is the Washington Huskies writer for The Athletic. We'll take a time out here, come back on their side, talk a little more about the Huskies' defense and their upcoming game against BYU as well. So stay with us. This is the Locked on Cougars podcast. Back to Locked On Cougars. A reminder for you guys, when you do get in your car and you're driving around town making your commute to or from work, make sure to plug in your smart device and tell it play Locked, play locked On Cougars. That way you stay up to date with all the latest in BYU news. Continuing on here for another segment with Christian Capel, the Washington Huskies beat reporter for The Athletic. And Christian, BYU is on the schedule for the Washington Huskies this year. It's actually their first road game of the season. They'll be traveling to Provo. What is the perception of BYU by people up there in the Seattle, greater Seattle area? You know, it's interesting. I think going into last year's game in Seattle, it was viewed as a really nice test um, because they had obviously won at Wisconsin, mm-hmm. kind of gotten everybody's attention, and 
now suddenly this um, you know this, this non-conference home game in September kind of took on greater meaning, and it was a team that you know had had gone on the road and and upset uh, a Big Ten power, and and I think people were really curious to see how Washington lined up with them. And obviously that game went as well for the Huskies as it could have gone. It was Jake Browning's best game of the season. Uh, he only threw two incompletions. Um, you know, BYU moved the ball a little bit early, but then they were able to kind of shut them down, certainly shut down their running game thereafter. And didn't really give them anything. I mean, people felt really good about a 35-7 to victory. And so I think maybe this year's game might be influenced a little bit by, by that outcome. And so, you know, I don't think anyone would ever look past a trip to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. You know, Washington and BYU have kind of an, an interesting historic rivalry stemming from the, yeah. the 1984 National Championship and, and the polls and Washington feeling like they should have been ranked number one and, and then going to Provo the next year and, and getting beat pretty bad. And, um, you know, they've played some, some really good, fun games since then, too, both in Seattle and in Provo. So, you know, I think there's a lot of respect for the BYU program and, and what they're capable of and the things that they've accomplished in their history. But, um, you know, no Washington fan looks at an opponent that they beat 35-7 to the year before and thinks that, you know, that's, that's not a game Washington should win, right? So, you know, a lot has changed. Obviously, the Huskies are going to look a lot different. they got a different starting quarterback, different starting running back, got to replace a bunch of defensive starters. This game's on the road, and it's going to be their first road game with a young roster. So um, you never really know. But I, I think that, um, you know, Washington fans certainly view this as a game that the Huskies should win. Um, but I don't think anybody takes it for granted or, or looks past it at all. I want to talk a little bit about Washington's defense with you. Along that front line, they've had some guys like Danny Shelton over the previous couple of years that have come through and gone on to the NFL and were stars for the Huskies. Uh, Vita Vea also more, more recently up there. Is there a guy along this Washington defensive line that you expect to break out this year and have a, a stellar campaign? Yeah, I think that there's there's a few guys. So. I think Levi Onzerike, who is one of those those um, prospects they were able to sign from Texas in the 2016 class, he's actually the highest-rated prospect that they've been able to get out of Texas. He was a four-star guy. He'll be a fourth-year junior, and he's kind of a returning starter. He started five games last year. He played a lot, and people know what he's about. Um, and so he's going to kind of step into that real full-time starter, starring role as a junior this year, and a lot of people expect him to be maybe one of the premier D linemen in the conference. Um, you know, he's a guy who's very disruptive when he's on, um, can get into the backfield and, and make a whole lot of impressive plays uh, on the ball carrier, hopefully provide them with a little bit of pass rush too. Um, but then also I think people are really interested to see some of these 2018, 2019 recruits if they can get on the field for the first time. So, you know, Tuli Latuli Nasanoa, who was a four-star defensive tackle that they were able to flip from USC in the 2018 class. He's he's a big, classic nose tackle body. Um, I think people are kind of expecting him to, to step in and maybe be that next Greg Gaines and sort of take over as that that big run stopper in the middle. And another guy, um, you know, from Utah, Taki Taimani, Sam Taimani, who uh, was an offensive lineman in high school for the most part, but they recruited him as a D tackle. Um, got into a couple games last year as a freshman, but stayed under that four-game limit and maintained his red shirt. I think he's going to be a big part of the rotation this year. He just seemed to make one or two plays in the backfield every spring practice that, that we saw um, back in April. So, you know, I think those two guys are really intriguing, and there's always going to be the intrigue factor from, from two guys you haven't really seen on the field yet. I think people are just sort of excited to see them play and, 
and see what they've got in those two guys. But you talk to offensive players, you know, Washington's offensive players too, and I mean, those are sort of the first two names that they bring up when they talk about this young defensive front. So, um, you know, behind Onzerike, who I think they kind of know what they've got in him, I think Taimani and, and uh, Latuli Nassano are sort of the, the next two that people are, are really interested to see. You just made Tuli Latuli Gasanoa's name sound like it was the most natural thing you'd ever said in your entire life. Just want, <laughs> I've had some practice. Just wanted to let you know that was that was fantastic. And any BYU fan, they're very familiar with Polynesian names and how tough they can be to pronounce. I just wanted to point that out that you made that sound like it was old news, and that was fantastic in, in that regard. Um, in terms of the rest of Washington's defense, Miles Bryant's a guy that intrigues me. He's your classic undersized cornerback, five foot eight, one hundred and eighty pounds, but he seems to play bigger than his size. Is kind of that your is that your perception of him as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. He's another really interesting prospect who kind of had a few scholarship offers um, coming out of Loyola High in, in the L.A. area, but waited too long and things filled up and wound up coming to Washington actually as a walk-on. Um, was a big-time special teams guy for them as a true freshman. Uh, earned a scholarship shortly after that, and now he's going into his, his third year as a starter at that nickel spot. And, you know, Jimmy Lake, their defense coordinator and their DB's coach, has just raved about him pretty much from the second he stepped foot on campus. That, you know, he's just one of these guys who doesn't ever give any thought to what his size is or, or how tall he is or how short he is. He just plays. And he's, he's really tough. He's a, a sound tackler. He's a fundamentally sound player. Um, you know, at that nickel spot, they asked that guy to, to sort of blitz the quarterback sometimes and help out and run support like a linebacker would and, and then you've got coverage responsibilities like a corner too and it takes a, a sort of dynamic versatile type athlete to play that spot successfully and he's been really really good at it and then in the spring you saw him taking some reps at safety um, two years ago when they had some some injuries kind of decimate the cornerback position they kicked him out to, to cornerback for a few games so he's kind of played all over the secondary as a senior he knows the defense as well as anybody can know it. He's their only returning starter in the defensive backfield, so he's going to be really valuable for them. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they kind of stick him at nickel or if they feel like they need him at safety. But, um, you know, he's a guy who really, no matter what position he lines up at, they're, they're going to be asking him to, to do everything that a DB in Washington's defense will do. If I were to ask you one guy, regardless of which side of the ball he's on, even if he's a specialist, if there's one guy on Washington's roster that you think is going to have a breakout year this year, who would it be? I feel like this is it's almost sort of cheating to say Hunter Bryant. <laughs> okay. Um, because, because people just assume that, you know, he's a, hey, you, you watch him play two, three games, and you can tell that the guy's going to be a star, but... He has not had a breakout season yet just because he hasn't been healthy. Um, you know, a knee injury wiped out most of his true freshman year after he'd kind of shown some flashes of being a really great playmaker at the tight end position. Um, he had wound up having to get surgery in the offseason after he sort of re-aggravated it and missed most of last year. Um, but then he comes back and has two big-time plays in the Apple Cup, a bunch of big-time catches in the Rose Bowl. And now as a junior, he's fully healthy for the first time. And, you know, Will Disley has moved on to the NFL and Drew Sample has moved on to the NFL. And it's, it's Hunter Bryant as the clear-cut leader in that tight end room. And, you know, I think he, he gives them, and, and tight ends coach Jordan Palpow has said this multiple times, that he's by far the best playmaker, pass catcher at the tight end position that they've had since Austin Safarian Jenkins. 
um, which admittedly wasn't that long ago, but um, he does sort of have those same abilities. He can stretch the field. He's you know not a huge body at the tight end spot. He's six two, um, but he's you know very very well built. Um, he's attacked the weight room like crazy. He, he's a physical specimen, um, and he's a guy who can certainly go up and and win 50-50 balls uh, against pretty much any DB that you could put on him. So, um, it, uh, again, it, it feels like cheating because it just seems universally expected that, that Hunter Bryant's going to be a breakout guy. But just because it, it hasn't actually technically happened yet, I'm going to say I'm expecting him to have a breakout season. Awesome. Well, Christian, can't thank you enough for taking the time. It's been fantastic catching up with you, and hopefully we can catch up with you as this game gets a little closer in week four, okay? All right, sounds great. Thank you. There you go, Christian Capel. Thank him for taking the time to join us here on Locked on Cougars. Great to catch up with him. Had some great thoughts on what Washington's doing to kind of retool their roster after losing their their four-star, their four-year starting running back and quarterback, as well as his thoughts on the BYU rivalry there. But I want to just one thing before we go here on today's podcast. I just want to give a shameless plug for The Athletic. If you don't subscribe to The Athletic, I would encourage you to do so. I've been a longtime subscriber myself when they announced they had a college football vertical coming in where they were covering college football. I signed up right away and it's been worth every dime since I signed up. We're going on over two years at this point and I've really enjoyed my subscription. They're not paying me to say this. I, I've, if they wanted to sponsor, great, but this is just me giving a shameless plug for The Athletic. They do a great job covering all things. And the nice part is you you pay for one low monthly price and you get access to the entire network, NBA, NFL, college football. They've got MMA. They've got everything covered, Major League Baseball. Encourage you guys to check out The Athletic and the great work going on with all the writers over there. And I'm hoping that at some point we're going to have a BYU writer covering uh, the Cougars for The Athletic, and we'll keep you updated if any news comes along about that. But that'll do it for today's podcast. Some interesting news coming out from BYU basketball and also getting some thoughts on the Washington Huskies. Make sure to weigh in with the show. Follow us on social media, Locked on Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My personal Twitter feed is at Jacob C. Hatch. We'd love to hear from you there. Get your thoughts, questions, concerns, comments. You also can email the show, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Thanks again for supporting this podcast. Please follow along on whichever podcast service you use subscribe i know that has a negative connotation but give us that subscription and also make sure to uh, give us a good rating and review that really does help get the word out about the podcast continue to build in its popularity our download numbers have continued to shoot through the roof and that's a big credit to all of you guys who have supported this venture with locked on cougars all right we will catch you later on this evening on social media as we react to day one of BYU fall camp after the first day of practice. We'll have interviews from coaches and players coming up on the future future days tomorrow and Friday's podcast as well. We're going to have it all covered for you top to bottom on this daily podcast, all focused on BYU. And thanks again for joining us. This has been Locked on Cougars for July 31st, 2019.